0: Hello everyone and welcome to this Archives of Disease of Childhood Fetal and Neonatal Edition uh, podcast. Today we'll be discussing the topic of high-flow nasal oxygen therapy in neonates. The discussion is with Peter Reynolds, a neonatologist and the author of the Editor's Choice paper in this month's print edition entitled Stabilisation of Preterm Infants in the Delivery Room with Nasal High Flow. It's also with Brett Manley, a neonatologist from Melbourne, Australia, and the author of the accompanying editorial, High Flow Going Viral. And Mark Davies, uh, a neonatologist uh, from Brisbane, Australia. Mark has conducted research in uh, neonatal respiratory physiology and uh, is a former co-chair of the Cochrane Collaboration uh, and their steering group. We had three participants on this podcast to provide a, a rounded and robust discussion of high flow so that we could see it from uh, the argument from different sides. And, and we hope that that comes across in, in the podcast. And the three uh, authors were very kind um, to participate. We had some difficulties with the noise quality in this podcast and we asked you to persevere with that. We believe the discussion is is, is a good one and we hope and you can uh, just persevere with the, the difficulties with the noise. Uh, and otherwise, uh, we hope you enjoy this podcast. Feel free to engage and interact with the various Twitter channels as uh, normal. Uh, ADC underscore FN, Jonathan underscore Davis 3 and uh, through the website and uh, Facebook I hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, well, thank you all very much for uh, joining uh, the podcast. We'll start with you, Peter, if that's okay. Um, in this month's print edition of the journal, you described the use of high flow as a means to stabilise infants in the delivery room. Could you uh, just briefly talk us through the main points uh, of the paper?
1: Sure. Um, so this was the paper, Stabilisation of Premature Infants in the Delivery Room with Nasal High Flow. Um, which uh, was an observational study, really a pilot study, just to look at the feasibility of using nasal high flow in the delivery room to stabilize babies uh, less than 30 weeks gestation. And we looked at quantitative measures such as whether we were able to transfer them from the delivery room to the neonatal intensive care unit, Uh, We looked at uh, measures of clinical stability on admission to the NICU, such as uh, their admission temperature and their admission oxygen requirements. And then we looked uh, uh, at what happened over the subsequent 72 hours to see whether they were sustained on uh, nasal high flow um, or or whether they required uh, any other interventions or, or ventilation And we sought some uh, comments from our staff as well. So this was a a piece of work that we carried out between January 2014 and March uh, 2015. So the the background to our pre-study practice is that we've been using uh, the Vapotherm Precision Flow to deliver uh, nasal high flow since uh, 2007. So we have quite a lot of uh, experience of using it primarily to support babies post-extubation. And therefore this was, for us, a a logical extension uh, to see whether it was suitable for uh, uh, stabilization of babies uh, uh, straight after birth. So our pre-study practice uh, was that we would normally, electively intubate babies born at less than 26 weeks. Uh, We would give them CuraSurf, which is our chosen surfactant, And then we would aim to try and extubate them uh, reasonably quickly. Um, And uh, in the year preceding the study, for example, uh, about 44% of babies were extubated within uh, 24 hours. Uh, We have fairly low rates of inotrope use in general, um, but we are a a unit that tries to practice uh, non-invasive ventilation. So we uh, carried out the study, as I said, between Uh, January uh, 2014 and March 2015. The study was uh, registered with the uh, Trust R&D Department and London Surrey Borders Research Ethics Committee. And we had to uh, collect uh, and gain um, parental consent prior to uh, enrolling a baby into the study, um, which uh, due to the unpredictable nature of preterm birth meant uh, that recruitment was slow But, in total, we enrolled 28 babies into the study, uh, which was the point at which the the research department agreed that the primary uh, aim, which was feasibility, had been demonstrated. In terms of the babies that we enrolled, uh, we had uh, 10 male and 18 female babies. Uh, with a mean birth weight of 876 grams, the, pair, the the mothers had all received at least one dose of antenatal steroids, uh, and I think that, that 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 rather reflects the fact that having having to get consent on all of the uh, uh, parents meant that they were quite a selective population, and they ranged in gestation from 23 plus 4 to 29 plus 6 weeks. We uh, wrote a, a pre-study protocol. Uh, which is uh, figure two, which is in the uh, article uh, showing how we would identify babies and essentially what we would do in in the event of them being considered to be active and breathing, uh, uh, which was really the uh, criteria for then applying uh, nasal high flow in the delivery room. And if they weren't breathing, then uh, we were to follow um, standardized uh, resuscitation uh, process, And if they responded to the standard inflation breaths uh, and perked up quickly, then uh, they might be eligible to uh, be started on high flow. And if they didn't, then they would be intubated and uh, treated accordingly to normal guidelines. So um, the uh, protocol was followed in all cases, and out of the 28 babies enrolled, 25 of them were stabilized on uh, nasal high flow, three of them were uh, intubated and transferred intubated as well. We then uh, followed the babies over the next seventy two hours to uh, see whether they would be sustained on uh, nasal high flow, having captured their admission uh, criteria, uh, they uh, had a, a admission temperature uh, with a mean of 36.9 degrees uh, centigrade and a mean admission FIO2 of 29%, which were two of the criteria that we were looking at for stability. Uh, uh, just under half of them required surfactant. Um, there was a fairly low rate of inotropes. And um, in terms of complications, uh, we saw one pneumothorax and two small pulmonary hemorrhages and uh, two Uh, intraventricular hemorrhages, grade 3 or 4, but obviously the numbers in the study are very small, so it's uh, difficult to uh, place too much emphasis on that. And uh, 15 babies were sustained on high flow for 72 hours, which is about 60% uh, of the babies, so 40% of them required uh, intubation within the first 72 hours and that was out of those uh babies most of it was for increasing uh oxygen requirements as i say two of them had pulmonary hemorrhages and in the smaller babies either poor blood gases or uh in one case um ap- apnea attacks um so that was uh, really the study once um once the babies had come round to the uh to to the intensive care unit managing them on high flow was in accordance with our pre-study practice, so uh, the staff uh, were quite comfortable having these babies on the precision high flow and, and managing them in the normal way.
0: Thank you, Peter, for that quite succinct uh, description of your paper. Um, Brett, could you just give us a brief overview of where this paper sits in context with the other published evidence of high flow as you see it?
2: Yeah, Jonathan, thanks, Peter. Um well, I think this study. Uh, the first thing to say about it is that it's very commendable that the study's been done in such immature infants, because uh, despite the increasing, the increasing use of high flow around the world and its increasing popularity in there is really still a paucity of evidence for its use in extremely preterm infants, uh, and that's uh, when I'm talking about all forms, uh, all modes of its use, both post extubation and its primary supporting NICU. I mentioned, this is the first study done that you know, I know about. I, I think it's really interesting because uh, we still have a lack of evidence for even the use of nasal high flow early in an extremely preterm infant's life, that is, after stabilisation and admission to the NICU. And um, it's only recently that a larger trial uh, of high flow compared to CPAP for that use has been completed, and that still remains unpublished. And the only other data we have for primary support of preterm infants is uh, from several smaller trials or subsets of small of, of other randomized trials and uh, n- none of which have have enrolled extremely preterm infants and unfortunately even the recently completed study has not enrolled extremely preterm infants so i think it's really interesting um, that peter and his colleagues have undertaken this study it's uh, certainly hypothesis generating um, they acknowledge, and Peter has acknowledged, that the limitations of the results in the, that it has to be taken in the context it was performed. His unit uh, are experts in using high flow from early in life. Um, they also use the Vaportherm high flow system, which is not being used uh, in all those units around the world using high flow. Many are using an alternative device by the Fisher and Paykel manufacturers. And uh, that that's interesting in itself because Many of those that use the Vaportherm device believe that it is uh, a more efficacious device for preterm infants, although that's not been adequately tested
1: either. Okay, well,
2: thank you. Um, Peter,
0: did you have anything to say to that? Uh,
1: no, I mean, I think, I, I, I think Brett raises a very important point that uh, we just need to be careful that uh, high flow isn't, it isn't just described as a, as a single modality until we know a bit more Uh, The various types of CPAP have been extensively studied, uh, and I think that we mustn't make uh, the mistake of of saying that all high flow is the same until it has been studied. And maybe it is all the same, and maybe it isn't all the same, uh, and I I don't think anyone is in a position to claim uh, superiority of one system over another despite people's strongly held views, but it is a piece of work that absolutely needs to be done.
0: Just on that on that topic and perhaps an extended version of that topic, I'll go to, to Mark next, and perhaps I'll, I'll sort of refer to Brett's
3: um, editorial. So, High Flow's gone viral. Mark, should it have? Oh, look, I have to first declare a conflict of interest. Um, I don't use High Flow. None of my babies get High Flow. If I want to give my babies distending pressure and they're not uh, intubated and ventilated, they get nasal CPAP. I um, I'm surprised that that the study um that got up and uh you know I I do question um using high flow in this context uh, given the the weight of evidence that we have that um CPAP is the way to go under these circumstances and uh you know I I just I just think that the various safety aspects um aren't uh, aren't well studied and I think there's a there's a really um, a complete lack of evidence for its use, particularly in this group, um, and that it shouldn't be used, uh, uh, you know, except in the context of a randomised control trial. So when you say this group, you mean extreme preterm infants? Uh,
0: particularly, yep. So um, I'll, then I'll, I'll bat that back again to uh, our other two um, people on the podcast, so Brett and, and Peter. Uh, so. High flow shouldn't be used um, because of a, of a lack of evidence and should only be used in the context of a randomised control trial. Uh, Peter, I can imagine you might have something to say to that, uh, having used it since 2007. What do you think about so the, the lack of evidence discussion when it comes to, to high flow and the fact that, especially in this, this population, this preterm, extremely preterm population, that all of the safety aspects haven't quite been addressed yet?
1: Well, look, I mean, you know, I think everybody is entitled to strongly held views. Um, I'm not going to take such a strongly held view, but uh, I, I don't think there's a complete lack of evidence. Uh, we have a, a recent Cochrane, uh, uh, which uh, Brett will undoubtedly uh, know uh, word for word because he's one of the authors, um, which, you know, is certainly encouraging for the use of uh, high flow uh, in uh, preterm infants really uh, mainly as a sort of uh, post-extubation, in in a post-extubation context, but certainly not a a lack of evidence. And and I think the next thing is that we have had a lot of experience of using this, and uh, we haven't published our experience, uh, but nevertheless we have had uh, over eight years' experience of using it um, and, it, and it's something that when I was doing my training, I grew up using CPAP for uh, early extubation of babies and managing them non-invasively. And actually, the transition to high flow was a fairly easy one. And we simply found babies much easier to wean. We didn't have to uh, do endless cycling between nose masks and other things, worry about nasal damage. And we didn't see... Uh, on a purely anecdotal basis, any great difference in the level of support being given. So, actually, the transition from using CPAP to uh, high flow was relatively straightforward. Um, And I will say that since we conducted the study, this is how we have continued to manage our babies, so our numbers uh, and our experience continues to go up, and we will be looking to publish that data, uh, which is outside of the trial and simply as a prospective audit, in the future. And I would say that so far, you know, we are very comfortable with all of the safety aspects.
0: Um, Brett, do you, you we could argue know, uh, know an awful lot about the evidence on what has existed in terms of safety and, and what have you in, for high flow. Do you think there is any context currently that the, the, the evidence stands up for the use of high flow in extreme, in extreme pre-terms?
2: Yeah, well, I think there is. Um, Most of the evidence that's the most convincing evidence, I guess, as Peter's mentioned, is as post-extubation support in the non-extremely preterm infant. There's still a paucity of uh, information for those babies under 28 weeks, uh, even in the randomised controlled trials that have been performed. I know that there's been published articles looking at the more uh, longer-term in-hospital outcomes, such as duration of oxygen therapy, uh, et cetera, which people have raised concerns about. Again, if if we look at the primary outcome of the Cochrane review, which was death or BPD, there is no difference between babies that were randomised to high-flow of CPAP, either as post-extubation support or as uh, early respiratory support in the NICU, which is reassuring. Um, There's also some safety data that, again, is reassuring. Uh, For example, extubation support where uh, there's over a thousand babies randomised now I think. Um, There seems to be a trend to a reduced rate of pneumothoraces compared to CPAP and there's also that trend present in the primary support trials. Again no difference in BPD which is a much more important outcome. Having said that um, I think we're still trying to find the right place for high flow and I agree with Mark that for those centres who haven't been using high flow and are starting to now, that they should try and use it in a way that is supported by the evidence. So, post extubation with CPAP as a backup seems very robust thing to do. Um, we're not using high flow as primary support or in a delivery room, but we will do so in randomised trials as they come along. Um, and I wouldn't be encouraging anyone out there to start using high flow until we have the evidence, particularly in extremely preterm babies. Um, so mark do you have any
0: comment on that
3: oh sure you know i still reckon that um you know there needs to be cause for concern in in the extremely preterm or extremely low birth weight infant um there was a you know i mean there was a recent observational study out of the united states that um showed that um babies were spending a lot longer in hospital um who had used high flow and uh, there was the possible increased uh, um, incidence of necrotizing enterocolitis. So, um, you know, observational studies are all well and good, but you are not going to know um, unless you do it properly in a randomised control trial. Uh,
2: just on that study, Mark, as you mentioned, it was observational. Um, the groups were not equal, and it was it was very hard to interpret what sort of babies were in each group. Um, and there's been a a reply to that paper by others and also by us, which we'll see if that gets published. But again, on the necrotizing enterocolitis thing, we're seeing a trend to benefit in the high flow that are in randomised clinical trials. Um, So I'm certainly not paying much attention to the observational outcomes uh, and find the randomised trial results relatively reassuring. Although uh, I I agree with you, as I've said several times, that we're really lacking in extremely preterm infants.
1: Uh, I'll just say uh, that any of these interventions do have to be set in the context of a total package of care. And I would be uh, always cautious about just looking at one intervention or one technique and saying, that's it, we've cracked it. And, you know, uh, the paper you're referring to in pediatrics, uh, we try and get our babies fed on breast milk within six six hours of delivery. I noticed that their mean time to feeding was something like 50 days. So we, we, we just look, look at that population and go, this, this, this is not how we manage our babies. And I think the overall practice of uh, my colleagues and of our nursing staff of minimal handling and early feeding and minimal intervention is part of the reason that we can do things well and successfully. And, and just focusing on a, a particular way of respiratory support or this and that, I think we would probably all agree is, it's certainly not, not the way to go. It varies much about the total buy-in of all the staff and, and the way that we look after babies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that's right. And I think some of the points that Mark made in terms of the requirement for uh, a, a properly powered, I mean, your, your study is, is, is very interesting, Peter. Um, I think a larger study with more numbers would probably is probably required. Would you, would you agree with that?
1: Uh, of course. Of course. Our, our study was simply to demonstrate feasibility. I, I'm, I'm not going to make any claims on any of the numbers that we've achieved. We will carry on auditing uh, what, what we're doing uh, with, with a very keen eye. We are, are as concerned about maintaining safety in an extremely vulnerable population as any neonatologist anywhere in the world is. Uh, and I sort of completely reject any uh, uh, accusations that, that we don't treat safety as our number one priority but in that context we, we uh, currently have no reason uh, to change our practice sure and just to the three uh, three of you
0: did somebody mention that there was a randomized controlled trial of uh, delivery room high flow stabilization is that happening is that going to happen
2: it's Brett here, no, not, not to my knowledge, um, unless you know anything, Mark or Peter. Um, I referred to the recently completed Hipster trial that was performed in uh, over 500 babies. And and again, babies in the delivery room were resuscitated according to local practice, which was always CPAP in the participating centres, not IFLO. And so, you know, those babies had been resuscitated with IPPV or CPAP in the delivery room prior to being randomised. We've recently presented the results of that trial, so they're in the public domain, that showed that uh, there was a higher treatment failure rate in the high flow arm of that trial that was significantly, statistically significantly higher, although 75% of the infants uh, did manage successfully with high flow. And of those that didn't, uh, CPAP was available as a backup, then there was no difference in intubation rates between the groups. Again, we didn't have the guts to include extremely preterm infants in that trial uh, as we designed it. So those babies were all 28 weeks or above.
0: So there's still um, a paucity of evidence for a, for a large trial um, in that extreme preterm, less than 28, less than 27, less than 26-week uh, grouping that perhaps still needs to be addressed. And Peter, you, your group are working on uh, prospective Audit rather than randomized control trial, or are you a, a, a trial at some point in the future?
1: So there's quite a lot of discussions in the UK, and, and, and you'll be familiar with uh, Kevin Ives at Oxford. He's another high-flow advocate, and, and uh, there have been discussions with, with other UK neonatologists. And I think people are keen to uh, see uh, proper uh, randomized controlled trials uh, and uh, into device studies as well. Um, so so that we can just try and nail down exactly uh, what the best way to to achieve these uh, important aims of non-invasive ventilation actually are. and I I I think that our paper has simply just opened up uh, another discussion point uh, because I think there's there's still a lot that we don't know, and, uh, and, and I'm sure there are things that we can all do better.
0: Okay. Um, do any of you have any other comments to make on the discussion or anything you didn't feel that you uh, got to say? Nope. No, I think so. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to thank the, the three of you for quite, a, for quite an interesting discussion. I think High Flow has, uh, as Brett says very eloquently in his editorial, has like sneezing pandas, ice bucket challenges, and Susan Boyle. It has um, gone viral in the world of neonatology, uh, and really the discussion should be had whether... It should have and where we need to redress that the balance of evidence if uh, anybody who has uh, listened to this podcast wants to to interact the uh, archives disease and childhood fetal and neonatal edition have a a twitter handle at adc underscore fn i can also be contacted on my twitter handle which is at jonathan underscore davis three and uh, mark davies can also be contacted on his twitter handle which is either at slow roast pork Yes, you heard it, or uh, at Mark Davies. So thank you very much for for listening to the podcast and and please uh, get in contact if you've anything to say.